And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Hunt and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated twice weekly Blue Jackets podcast. This is Aaron Portsign with the Athletic, joined by Allison Lucan. Say hello, Allison. Hello, everyone. And Tom Reed. Say, oh, Tom. Tom can't hear us. Uh, Tom's literally on the other side of the world right now on assignment. So uh, I'm excited to see what he comes up with and read when he comes back. Stay tuned for that. Uh, he won't be with us today. He is literally on assignment. Um, so that's fun. We've got uh, some stuff to go through here. The Blue Jackets are never short of news. Uh, it is Tuesday. The Blue Jackets return to action tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. And the big news of this game is it marks the return of Seth Jones to the lineup. Uh, Jones was injured in the Kraft Hockeyville game, really the only down uh, moment of that whole evening was his injury uh, against the Buffalo Sabres there in Clinton, New York. Missed the first seven games of the season. This guy is a fast healer, and thank goodness for that because they can certainly use him. Uh, when he was hurt, they said four to six weeks. He comes back tonight. It is exactly four weeks from his injury. Um, it, uh, anybody who watched this team um, with Seth Jones would understand how much you miss this 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 uh, player when he's not in the lineup. And I do think the Blue Jackets missed him. Allison, he's back tonight. Uh, he's on a pair with Zach Wierenski. It's almost like the Blue Jackets are getting the band back together here at, at I think, a pretty important time for them. Oh, my gosh, yes. And, I mean, look, Seth Jones has – he if he can bottle whatever it is he has in him that helps him heal this quick, I mean – I'd buy it too. No, I think it's, I think it's been um, a really good thing. And you mentioned this in your article yesterday that the jackets have kept above water without him in the lineup. I think that what we've seen highlights a lot of what makes Seth Jones such a special player um, with him being gone. And I think it shows us, I don't think that there's anything bad necessarily, but it shows us where the, maybe some chinks are still in, in the balance of the defensemen. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm not going to expect Seth Jones to come in and have, you know, 10 goals in the next three games and light the world on fire. He's got a little rust on him, but I think it's nothing but good to see him come back. I think it makes Zach more comfortable to have his old partner back, which elevates his game. 
I think it helps distribute minutes differently. It gives the special teams a different look. I think it's it's nothing but good news for this for this group. Yeah, and it's funny when when Seth's out, people say, "Boy, Wierenski struggles defensively, doesn't he?" It's not it's not fully there. I still think there's work to do there, but it really shows up when Jones isn't there. For sure. Um, I think the coaches have been on Wierenski about being more aggressive offensively. Maybe you saw a little bit of that with his goal on Saturday against the Blackhawks. Uh, Jones goes in on what appears to be the second power play unit that could change obviously pretty quickly. Uh, but he, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they ease him back in. I mean, I don't think he hits 30 minutes tonight, but I think he plays, uh, heavy minutes and is ready to go here against them. When you look at, have you looked at this yet? I don't want to ruin a future story. Is there a, clear difference in Wierenski's performance when, when Jones is not there? It, we are going to look into that some okay. here in, in the near future, but, but, you know, it, it certainly doesn't spoil it to say yes. Um, with a huge caveat that we don't have a lot of time when Wierenski isn't with Jones. Right. right. So um, there's, there's all kinds of nuance to that, but yes. And I, again, that's not a dig on Wierenski. This is a kid in his just starting his third year professional um, hockey, but um this, like I said, this tells us a lot about who Seth Jones is, and it tells us a lot about where Zach Wierenski is. And if he's this, if Wierenski is this good now, imagine what he'll be when he has as many games as Seth does. Yeah, right. Right. So in, in his absence, David Savard moved up and played next to Wierenski. Pretty good, I think, on the whole. Um, it's funny, you you and I were like, oh, look, Savard on a breakaway. <laughs> and uh, yesterday, Seth Jones said, I thought Savard played pretty good. He had a breakaway. He had a big smile on his face as he said it. Um, and now Savard, humble man that he is, heads down to uh, the third pairing. It almost seems unfair, but I don't know how you break up um, Murray and Nudavara, Ryan Murray and Marcus Nudavara, who seem to play so well together. Allison, you were over there at the rink today. What do the D pairs look like? What's that third pairing look like now? Yeah, so they're going to start off um, with Dean Kukan uh, lining up with David Savard. I asked Torts if he'd share any reason reasoning that went into that decision, and in trademark Torts form, he said no, <laughs> um, which you know makes me think that they're certainly not wedded to this pairing. If it doesn't click, I don't know that we don't see them try some other looks on the other side of. Savard, sure. but uh, you know, I, I kind of like it. I'm kind of interested. Those two had some time together last year as well, and I, I talked to Kooks about that today. And you know, Kooks, for his part, is excited to be back with Savard. It's a guy he's already spent some time getting to know how to play with last year. Um, he likes that Savard is a, is a talker on the ice and off, which helps him, you know, be better in his game. And, and Kooks was honest. He said, I like that he is defensively minded because then I can try and be a little more offensively minded, which is exactly how the coaches want this team to play is to be active from the back end. And I, I do think, you know, we mentioned the breakaway and, and I kept touting. I mean, Savard had a fantastic game on Saturday. Yeah. And so, you know, we harp on Zach and Seth quite a bit, but I'm interested to see what this time with Wierenski may have opened up in Savard's game. Um, he's, he's never really been asked to play with more offensively mind defensemen before. Um, and Seth Jones corrected us. He said, you know, this is a guy who put up quite a few goals as a defenseman a few years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Savard looks like 
now after having kind of a, a new spin on how he can play with a different kind of partner. It, 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 it's going to be interesting to me to watch this. Yeah, and, and Tortorella was was insisting yesterday that he is he, he is not going to lose minutes. Why? He has to. Right. I think he I think he does. I mean, he's going to play on the penalty kill. He doesn't have a role in the power play. And when everything's going five to five, uh, you know, they fall in love, and rightfully so, with those top two pairs. So, uh, you know, I mean, Savard is is uh, he's such a pro. I, he's never going to complain about this, but his role is changing uh, drastically so that Seth Jones can come back. But it's still quite obviously a big day uh, for the Blue Jackets uh, to get him back. Uh, Allison, again, you were over there at the rink today. Uh, starting goalie tonight is? Sergei Bobrovsky. Interesting. It interesting. is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, every time they pick a goalie this year, it's like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I'm so curious early. I did, you know, if it was funny, I was talking with Dave Metzold about this, and if you had asked me to bet, I would have guessed that it was going to be Corpusalo, to be honest. Um, yeah. Just given the time away from the game that Corpy has had, in large part due to how spaced out these games have been early. Um, yeah. But but I was surprised. I really thought that uh, Torts would say Corpusalo. Yeah, I had Corpy going tonight. I'm batting about 400 on the year, though. I, <laughs> I mean, over one of this opener. Um, I missed the game four. I think Corpy was back in game four. Yep, correct. Yeah, I've been like right now. I'm sitting on sitting on fastballs and getting changeups, <laughs> which is is the way it goes. Um, and I think uh, something that maybe has been lost is that this is now. I keep saying you were over at the rink this morning, Allison. There's usually nothing going on at the rink other than some treatment for guys and a couple guys who wish to skate. Uh, but no, this is the second game day morning in a row uh, that there's been stuff going on over there and uh, tell us about that because you know uh, as many will remember a couple years ago John Tortorella uh, declared that morning skates were dead to him that he thought it was a complete waste of energy he wasn't going to stop guys from coming in but he was urging them to not come in and go through the whole rigmarole just save it for the game um and that continued well through last year. He is an, he Tortorella is a you might call him the spokesperson um, for not having morning skates. He's been sort of at the vanguard of that. And now we've noticed this year, geez, twelve guys skated today, eleven guys skated, fourteen guys skated today, and then the other day against uh, Chicago, they brought him in for a morning skate. I think it was an optional. Correct. But they still had a lot of guys at the rink, and the same today, enough to make us wonder, what's going on? And and you were uh, smart enough around the room today to start to ask some questions. What did you get? Yeah, it was uh, – it, it's funny. In, in fact, it's it's been such an odd turn because, you know, as you just described, torts became kind of this hallmark of this great new way of thinking. Even when we talked to uh, Nelson Iote, the director of high performance this summer, he praised – the benefit of the rest of not coming in for a morning, a mandatory morning skate. That is um, right. that when we came in for a morning skate, I think half of us didn't know at first that it was happening last week. And then I, that was my question to Torts in, in the presser. I said, why are we here? <laughs> Basically. Right. Um, but, you know, Torts told us last week, uh, the first time this happened that he really just wanted to have some more time 
not backed up against the pressure of the game start for some of their special team meetings that they do so historically when they didn't have a morning skate, the guys come in, they have some video, they do their special teams meetings, power play and penalty kill. And that is all happening in the hours leading up to the game. So basically what he's done is separate those out. So now they're happening in the morning so that they're not backed up. If there needs to be more discussion, if there needs to be more thought that can happen without kind of that deadline. So that's what Torch told us. And so I, uh, I grabbed Nick Felino today and I said, Hey, you know, is this a thing now? This is the second time in a row we're doing this on a game day. Um, Nick said that, you know, he hadn't really talked to Torts about it, but that from his perspective, the players are fine with it. Um, for a lot of the same reasons, they don't necessarily want to have hours and hours and hours of special team meetings in this case, which would have been yesterday, right? right? So they can have a better balance in what they did yesterday, spend some thoughtful time today going through that and not be doing it before the game. And I said, okay, well, that, that all makes sense. I said, are, are more guys skating too? And he, he kind of pashawed that. He said, you know, I think it's if guys are just here. He said, they're like, well, if I'm here, might as well just take a quick spin around the rink. It's, it's still a very personal thing. Um, I don't know that there's pressure for it. And Nick said that honestly, you know, like I said, he doesn't have to talk it through with torts. It's totally, he thinks normal and in torts purview to make this, this little, little tweak. I don't think it's a big deal at all, but it's a tweak. Um, and he, he's expecting it to go back to like, we're used to where they're just, they don't have to come in in the rink. They don't have to put that gear on two times and, they can just head in right before the game, have their meetings when things are kind of more settled and they're more in their groove and, and head right up to puck drop. Yeah. So maybe when they get up sort of on top of their of the wave and start finding themselves consistently, they go away from these. But I love list, I love listening to, to coaches say we're not meeting in the morning. We can do all the stuff we need to do before the game. And then go back to saying, well, we need to have things in the morning because we're, we're, we don't have time to do all before the games. But it's not a morning skate. And you go, no, that's a morning skate. Right. <laughs> that's what a morning skate is. That's right. And it's optional. You're not making guys go on the ice. But that's a morning skate. That's right. Um, and then there are some guys that, like Pierre-Luc Dubois made no bones about it. I'll never skate if I don't have to. Like, I've got it down. I don't feel like I need, I don't feel like I need the, the morning touches to be ready at night. Uh, but there's some guys, I think even older guys, surprisingly, you think the guys that would be more interested in taking time off who are just kind of in the routine where they like to go out and have a twirl. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember talking to guys right afterward, especially on the road, like, what do you do all day? Because right. <laughs> they get up, they go to breakfast and it's like, okay, back, back to our room. What do we do? Yeah. They were bored. Yeah. Uh, and so it started to be the more guys were taking them on the road. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's by any other name, a morning skate, right? It's right. just, um, whether it's optional or not. So interesting. And really their starts have not been an issue, correct? I mean, they've had some yeah. awful, they've had some awful periods all over the, all over the place. Not just, I don't think there's been a consistent theme of slow starts. So, yeah, no, I, and I don't, I mean, I'm certainly not thinking this is any sort of red flag or anything like this. It's just a change in routine. Right. And you notice yeah. that. And so, right. So, you know, we heard from players and coaches why. And, and honestly, you know, we talk about how this group didn't have a lot of turnover. But when you look at their special team side, it did, you know, and particularly with Dubinsky out. So it makes sense to think that there's value in spending a little more time, to your point, getting those group 
groups operating a little more consistently. The other thing is here, it's, we're 19 days into the season, and they've they've played seven games. It's crazy. Right? And so now, if you look at the schedule, it starts picking up. As of tonight, they start. I don't think they have three days, three game, three days without a game for a while. Um, it's sort of, it's not crazy. It's not, it's not like an untenable schedule, but it, it's a lot busier now. Exactly. Uh, so less time, less time for that. Um, uh, news of the day, uh, certainly as it relates to local hockey, Columbus local hockey, uh, Trent Vogelhuber, uh, considered by the, the guys who have come out of this town playing hockey, Trent Vogelhuber is seen as a, in, of a godfather of sorts, the pioneer, the first guy uh, to sort of make his way pro. He retired today, the pride, the pride of Dublin, Ohio, uh, a CBJ draft pick, the last pick in the 2007 draft, a uh, kid that went to St. Charles, went to Miami, great kid. Um, it's a li- You know what, he, he was, as I said, the first guy to come out of here and so all of those guys, Corrali, Connor Murphy, Roslovic, uh, of Cole Castles, all of those guys look up to him as there is sort of sort of an older brother um, sort. He meant a lot to a lot, means a lot to a lot of people around here. It's a little, I'm a little um, sad for the kid because I, he never got to play in an NHL game. Yeah, I sure thought he was close. Uh, especially with Colorado, where he had a two-way deal the, la- the previous two years, um, but his his heart was always stronger than his knees were, mm-hmm. and he's had a lot of issues with his knees um, that absolutely took away development years, took away prime years for him to get better. Uh, but a, a tip of the uh, cap and a, a, a tap of the stick uh, to Trent Fogey because he's a a great kid and a great representative of the city. Uh, but had a, a wonderful professional hockey career in his own right. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, it, it's it's not the heights of the heights, but, you know, a part of that Calder Cup team in Cleveland as well. And totally. stick, sticking with this organization. And, you know, I think that's that's a nice coda to this story is to see now what he does to continue to reinforce the prominence of what hockey in Ohio looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's going to be an assistant coach with the Monsters. Um, became a husband and a father over the over the summer, uh, so big life changes for for Vogel Huber. Um, but yeah, he'll be around. You know, this is a kid that's going to be around. Oh yeah, yeah. And I would not be surprised if he has a role with the AAA program here too, with Ed Ginger's group. Um, and, and again, always a guy that people will will look up to. I love the stories in the mid two thousands. Um, when there was certainly hockey being played here, but there wasn't this major feeder program where the Vogelhubers had this great kid who was a hockey player, and there was a little bit of what do we do with him? Like, <laughs> like wh- where does he go from from here? What's the way? What's the path? And and Trent really, for a lot of kids, showed um, showed them the way. He was the first guy, and it also opened up a pipeline to Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is where all the kids went for the first few years now. Carson Meyer, um, who also looks up to, to Trent Vogelhuber, absolutely, was at Miami and now transferred to Ohio. Maybe Ohio State starts to get uh, some of these kids locally. So um, kudos to him on a great run. Uh, Allison will be out there tonight. Tom will be back with us Friday. 
perhaps for the podcast. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, anything else we need to get to today? Uh, no, I think uh, it's just like you mentioned, it's the calm before the storm. Get ready. The the crazy of, of hockey season that you're so accustomed to. It's not been these past few weeks. It's about to get rolling here. Yeah, here come the games fast and furious. Well, uh, well, thanks for listening. There's lots of great material at The Athletic. Allison wrote a nice piece about Ohio State coach, former captain, J.B. Bittner. That's on there. We've got a story about Seth Jones' return tonight. We have, um, we're have we doing post-game videos. Another one without Tom tonight. Woo! Uh, and there's a story up there from a few days ago about uh, from Pierre Luke Dubois and Cam Atkinson talking about what it's like to play with Artemi Panarin and how they learned his instincts and have learned to sort of feed off uh, one of the great sort of freewheeling freelancers in the game today. So yeah, that, if I can real quick, if you have not read that piece, if you want to talk about players really letting you inside their minds in terms of how they think the game, that piece was just incredible. Well done by you, Porty. And it's, well, it's thanks. a worthwhile read. It really, I, I really appreciated the window into how players think the game and not just reflect it as we all usually do reflecting on what they already did playing the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, those guys made it easy. I love, I love Pierre Luc Dubois. It's like, I know his, I know what his first tendency is. It's the second tendency. It's a, is a plan B. Sorry. It's plan B that, that I go, Oh, this is going to be good. That's when you become. <laughs> and then he at some point said, plan C is, I don't know what the hell's going on. I just go to the net and put my stick down because <laughs> something's happening. Um, so they, they were both, they were both great. And you could tell that sometimes you get guys going, you're like, they really want to talk about this yeah. because it, they both are very appreciative of the situation. And of course you couldn't help, but think that there's a little bitter sweetness with all of this because the, as many know, the bread man may not be around Columbus much longer, but enjoy it while it lasts. Anyways, Allison, thanks for your time today. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back with you in just a few days. Enjoy the game tonight. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.